0: Plug. Don't let me forget it. I need everybody's help. Life will go downhill fast next this week. I am a, uh, I'm trying to think of the adjective. I'm an avid note taker, let's just put it that way. So, good evening. good evening. It's good to see you all. So this morning we spent some time talking about the topic of Dealing with personal sins. You might have caught that. I made a distinction between sin and sins. We won't go into that, but you see it in biblical literature and teaching. Uh, and ultimately it tags back to the scripture. Um, you know that the scripture teaches that all have sinned. And I believe that most of you, if you were taught here, would realize that the Bible teaches that although we're called to holiness, we're called to be like our Father is in heaven, uh, to, um, to seek to not sin at all and to live righteously all the time, the scripture suggests that there's a struggle. I'm learning. There's a struggle that's going to go on. It's it's there. The New Testament is full of exhortations to stop sinning. Believers are told, stop this. Don't do that. Do this. Uh, So... It's valuable to talk about this issue. One of the things that we mentioned this morning also is that our desire, my desire, is to see healthy local churches, New Testament pattern churches, New Testament pattern assemblies, and to just try to get behind anybody that I know that's interested in that and push and pull and, and help out. And one of the one of the pieces, one of the aspects of a healthy local church is that not, not only is there uh, right worship, an upward thrust, not only is there... a uh, a good outward thrust in evangelism, but inwardly there's teaching and there's exhortation and there's a ministry to the body that helps us deal with things like sin and growth. Can I grow spiritually if I come here? Uh, I could ask that of a local church. Uh, if not, then we want to help um, deal with that. And, and one of the ways is to talk about this issue of sin. Um, this morning we went through this simple graphic, and it's just A sort of a cycle that tries to take into consideration the reality of who we are, um, what we do, what happens to us. And so we talked about certain prompts from the outside, things that happen from the outside. It could be anything. It could be anything. It could be a smell. It could be a piece of clothing you pull out and you remember something. It goes through the mind. The eye sees it. The hand touches it. The ear hears it. Somebody makes a comment to you at work. And the mind and the heart reflects on it. And we, we suggested that sin really starts in the heart. And then we went on to talk about how the body gives expression to the heart. Why did we go through all of this? We went through all of this to get to tonight, to, to make this, this point, and then I will um, we'll just get into the, the, the message topic. Um, if we want to help individuals deal with sin, I think we need to... Um, do more than suggest maybe one particular item. The Bible has a number of different things that plug into our lives to help us fight and push back against sin. And so tonight, we'll look at the positive. We'll try to look at things that we can sort of break into this cycle with at every step uh, to help deal with personal sin. And ultimately, turn that arrow the other way and develop habits of righteousness. All right. Let's just have a word of prayer again. Father, we ask that you would um, Lord, that you would help us. You know, you remember the psalmist writes that we're dust. And um, I know myself, Father, you know that I I hear messages and forget so much. And I just ask that you would uh, ultimately embed your word in our hearts and help us to be holy people, that we would help one another and encourage one another and exhort one another uh, towards this, Father. That we would be local churches that believers that come and visit and come into fellowship know that um, i can get help in walking in holiness here we pray this in jesus name amen all right well the left button goes the other way we figure this out in the back so if the slides start to go backwards just wave at me so this evening breaking into the sin cycle okay breaking into the The sin cycle with righteousness. The main point, it's important to sort of get the main point out, and I've suggested this, dealing with personal sin, there's your first misspelling of the evening, personal sin, (laughs) often will require a sort of a multi-stage response, more than just one thing. I'm going to suggest tonight that sometimes when we try to deal with sin, maybe we suggest one thing to a person and it doesn't work, especially if it's a deep-seated personal sin, something that's become a habit. Maybe you suggest to a person, well, you need to start memorizing some verses that that deal with that sin. Maybe nothing changes. Well, why is that? The reason is that there are a number of things that might need to be addressed or done or dealt with to tackle that sin because sin can get deeply seated in the person. Simply dealing with external prompts, solely focusing on behaviors or on, on scripture verses may not be all that the scripture calls us to do. Okay? I don't wanna make the phrase that the scripture's insufficient. It's not, it's completely sufficient. But the scriptures might call us to do more than we're actually doing. And that's the point tonight. Well, here's a, here's a new set of pictures to, uh, <laughs> I hope you uh, don't mind all the motion here. But what I've done is I've taken the same uh, diagram and in each of the points I've put in something that can be done, and we'll go through this this evening, to help deal with personal sins. And I was advised to get a pointer. And I have a pointer, I just have to point it in the right direction, there you go. So (laughs) you might find that one of these deals with the issue, but we'll go through this this evening. And I'm gonna suggest that at each of the main points, we talked about external prompts, We talked about certain things that happen in the body, the heart and the mind, the sin that actually happens in the heart and then our expression, that each of these have things that we can do. And I'm also gonna suggest that the scripture teaches us that there's something else that needs to happen. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us from within and we need the body of Christ from without to help us make sure we're doing this, okay? So doing this by yourself and secretly is a whole different experience than doing it with a group of brothers and sisters that are encouraging you along. All right, well, let's look at the first step. You remember this morning we talked about how one of the first things, well, that's a lot of color. One of the first things that happens uh, when we uh, sometimes go down that road towards sin is that there's something external to us that just all hundreds of prompts hit us, okay? So, one of the first things that can be done to push back against sin, to break into the sin cycle, comes from Matthew chapter 5. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Matthew 5, 27. So hopefully by the end of the evening, you'll see that all I've done is collected verses from the scriptures and I've just placed them on here. That you'll say, okay, he didn't make something up. This is something that comes out of the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. And before I read this verse, I can hear my my teacher training yelling, don't do what you're about to do. And I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to to press the pause button, and I'm I'm going to make a point that I didn't make this morning. And that is this. I did not say this morning something that's very important, which is that sin does not always start with an external prompt. Large, copious amounts of sin come simply from our hearts and mind. We've, we've, we've been here so many times and now we've just got memories in our own hearts. And so when you look at that cycle from this morning, I don't wanna send the message that sin always begins with an external prompt. You know, after a while, you, know, you have the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if we didn't have the devil and the world, some people say we'd still have a lot of problems with the flesh. And uh, so I, I want to clear that up, okay? But many times sin does begin with an external prompt. So if you've got somebody, you're dealing with somebody that maybe is struggling with something, one of the first things you can ask is, is there something in your life that is prompting this behavior? Where did it start? Was it something you saw? Was it some people you're hanging around with? Was it something that began in your childhood? What was it? Let's read Matthew chapter 5 and look at what the Lord says. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27. Uh, The Lord aims this statement at a particular type of sin. You have heard that it was said to those of old. Think back on the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. You shall not commit adultery. And now our Lord, as the the giver of, of the law directly from God, greater than Moses. But I say unto you. That, if you, that, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we talked about the immaterial part of man and how sin occurs in the heart. And then he says this in verse 29, our Savior, if your right eye causes you to sin, think of him, see him here tonight. Hear the Lord Jesus talking to you. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Why? For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell." Now, I don't want to say too much about the fact that if you read the verse, you might be a little uncomfortable. because he talks, number one, about being cast into hell. The scriptures clearly teach that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The scriptures do not teach that if we trust Christ as Savior, go into life, and then sin, that now we're in danger of being cast into hell. If you read the verse, you might get that sense. Part of what I believe the Lord is teaching also, he's, he's, the, he's in the sort of the, the early days of the preaching of, of of the gospel, the kingdom, and he's there in Israel. He has not even gone to the cross yet. And one of the sins that he's talking about here are people who, because of, think of the rich young ruler, because of their sins or their desires, reject him as savior. You can think of persons in the, in the epistle to the Hebrews. I believe a lot of that epistle deals with apostasy, who, because of their sin, reject Christ and go back and, and don't follow him. The rich young ruler would have been profited by losing all of his wealth, losing all of his resources, and following Christ. We don't know what happened to him, but he chose to follow his riches and resources uh, rather than going with Christ. And so at 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 an initial level, there are things which people refuse to give up because their sins are causing them to stumble. They won't cut them off. They won't stop doing certain things. They want to go down that road. And Jesus says to them, it is far more profitable if you lose out in this life, than for that to cost you everything. Now by way of application to the believer who's seated in heavenly places in Christ, whose names are written on the palms of his hands, that are taken out of darkness, 1 Corinthians, Colossians chapter one, verse 13, and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. I don't think hellfire is, is is an issue here, but the principle still applies. If there's something that's causing me to sin, and here's where I'm getting to my point on the slide, what should I do? Cut it off. Now think of lots of practical applications to this. This is where we start. It's one thing to memorize Bible verses and to um, talk with friends about your struggles, but if you haven't cut off something that is prompting you to sin and to think about this or to do that or to say that, this is where you need to start. It's, it's a scriptural principle. Is there something in your life that needs to be cut off? So at the National Workers' Conference, we'll, we'll deal with certain issues that I was asked to address. One of those issues would, for, for example, be uh, a way to cut certain things off might be to maybe maybe get rid of your, your TV, cut off your cable bill, put a filter on your computer. Uh, get rid of your smartphone. A friend of mine cut off his Facebook account. Um, stop going to certain places with certain friends. You might need to change people, places, and things. You know, Are there people, places, and things that are prompting certain kinds of behavior? So what's the point here? We can ask one another if we talk with one another. Do we talk with one another about our challenges or do we not talk about our challenges? I have no challenges, my life is perfect. We say, you know what, I'm struggling with anger. I am an angry person. Well, step one could be, is there something that's, that's prompting this? My thought life is, is, is horrible. Is there something that's prompting this that needs to be cut off? You see that? So it's just a first step. The first step in the cycle was prompts from the outside, the response to that, Scripture, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, do we need to cut something off? Pretty simple. It's hard to do. Got um, all kinds of buttons here lasers and pointers. And... Why, why do this? And I think I've kind of said this. Um, the heart is the source of sin. External prompts are not everything. The heart is the source of sin, but if the prompts are not removed, they'll keep injecting temptation in your life. All right. Um, what's the next step in the in cycle here? Now, this this is something that I'm I'm, I'm putting in here, and I'm I don't want to I don't want to overemphasize this, and I also don't want to pretend like I'm a medical doctor or anything like this, but This is part of reality. I think this is really, I wanted to sort of put this at the end because this is when things get extreme for some people. Uh, The second step in our cycle of, of sin was that prompts come through the eyes and the ears, and they go through our body. And the body responds. The mind begins to think about things. But sometimes when people have engaged in certain sins so much, it actually physically changes their brain physically changes their body. A person is going to to food as a means of comforting themselves rather than going to Christ. The issue of that, um, that that cause of emotional turmoil in their life has not been dealt with. You think about the heart. We'll get to that. Getting down to the heart. Now they're they're they're, they're obese. The physical body has actually changed. And for them to back away from that lifestyle may require some consideration of a physical body. You, you, you meet people that have chemical imbalances and they've gone into depression. It's actually a your brain is a physical part of your body and can be affected by that. And so if they're reacting to people a certain way, it may be worth asking. You know, do you need to see a doctor? Now, some people will say, no, 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 no. All of all of that's all spiritual, and um, and that would be a whole nother discussion. I, I watched my father last year. A man who I would love to love to be like. A man who was, he's an elder at our assembly back in Florida that we were commended from. Uh, watched him walk in the word, share the gospel. A man that just looked like he was just, just hitting all the bases. He's not an evangelist, but he would lead people to Christ consistently. Bible teacher, always in the word, a controlled man. He went into deep depression just as we came out here. And I look at his life and I'm like, you know i it, it, there may there may have been some of this, and the brain is part of the body and and that's that's an issue that sometimes we don't want to talk about, but your brain can be affected by all kinds of things, and that will affect your responses and your behavior and your language. Um, you see people as they begin to lose their memory, act in a ways people have brain injuries, and they will I've heard of people that have brain injuries. One believer from the Albany Assembly in Georgia had a, had a, I think their son had a brain injury. His language became foul. His whole personality changed because part of his body was affected. Um, so this is rare, but I'm just putting this in here because it's a rare reality uh, that in some circumstances, the physical body may be related to a person's behavior. But that's, that's very, that's sort of on the, 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 the back end of things here. Um, but that needs to be considered and thought about. And that will be obvious, I think. Um, here's where we're coming around the, the, the cycle. I wish I would have put some um, the, the cycle back up a little bit. If you remember, sort of the third step was something happens from the outside. We see something. We hear someone say something to us. It goes through our mind. We begin to think about it. Who is she to talk to me like that? Did you see this? We talked about David up on the rooftop, saw Bathsheba. Somebody else who saw Bathsheba, one of his female servants, she wouldn't have thought anything. Eh, Ladies take taking a bath because that's what they did up there. The, the, the roofs of the houses in, in Israel were places where people ate, and at night it was cooler. They'd go up on top of their roofs, and, and they would sleep up, sleep up there and do, do different things just because it was more comfortable. There was just no air conditioning <laughs> 2,000 years ago. And, but, but that visual external stimuli going through David's heart or David's eyes and coming into his mind, well, now he responds to that. And we read the scripture, where it says, and she was beautiful. You see now Bathsheba is looked at from David's perspective in the verses in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So how can we push back against sin in the life at this point? And this is one of the most significant points. And that is simply that we need to make sure that we're injecting truth into the mind and the heart. We need to bring light and truth into the inner person. There are at least three different ways. One is factual truth. It is helpful for some people engaged in habitual sin to tell them facts about the sin they're involved in, what it leads to, what it's connected to, the dark underworld that they are linking themselves to, what they could be exposing themselves and their families to, what other people who have gone down this road have wound up doing. They need to be told the truth, shine the light into their personal life. And sometimes that's very helpful to people to realize, I didn't realize I was tampering with something so deadly. But second, most important, is to get the scripture into people. Let's look at a few verses here. You could give me verses. I'm gonna to go to the classic passage on this, that's Psalms 119. Psalm 119. Got to watch your plurals on your words there. People talk about the book of revelations. No, there's just one. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's a book of Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 119. I always type P-S-L-A-M-S, delete. Got to get the S off in there. Psalm 119. And we'll read verse number 9 through 11. Once those ideas, once those sights and smells and sounds have come into our eyes and they're in our minds, then is there equipment on the inside of the person to press back against sin? Psalm 119, verse number 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Isn't that interesting to to cleanse? We're, We're dealing with sin here. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. The whole heart and the partial heart is a big theme in Scripture. Which king served God with the whole heart in Israel? King David. Who had sort of a partial heart, a half heart? It's King Saul. With your whole heart, my whole heart. That means the heart is the inner being, the real person, the CPU of the life, the the thought center, the will. With my whole inner person I have sought you. Oh let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee against you. The word has a purifying effect. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're talking about at this step we've cut off external prompts What we also need to do for people is not just cut off external prompts that might be causing them to sin, if that's the case, but begin to inject truth and light and scripture into their lives. Let's start memorizing the scriptures that apply to what you're doing. Is it anger? Let's start reading verses about anger. Is it that you will, I cannot forgive her. She did this to me. You don't understand. You weren't there. Let's start reading verses about forgiveness. You're the person that's, that's owed 10,000 talents to your master that you couldn't repay and your master forgave you and then you went and you throttled the person that owed you far, far less. That's you. <laughs> Let the scriptures sink in. You've offended God far more than she offended you. David says, against you and you only have I sinned. Very interesting. Sin is against God. Letting those scriptures sink in Scripture is about the love of God and his forgiveness. That's a big deal. If people at this point don't believe that God will forgive their sin, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from. Oh, that's an important word. You see, if I don't believe that God's gonna forgive me of all unrighteousness, I'm gonna give up today and just go back into forget that. The truth is very important. If truth is not in people's hearts and lives, it can just short-circuit things. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Finally, brethren and sisters, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, this goes back to the the prompts. This almost goes back to step one. Are you meditating and thinking about things that are just not right? They're not beautiful. They're not lovely. They're not truth. Are you watching things and just pouring into your mind dark stories and, 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 and sinful concepts? What are you meditating on? We need to get light and truth into the heart. Romans chapter 12, these are just classic memory verses here, verses one and two. These are just verses that look at truth and light being applied to the inner person. John chapter, well, Ephesians, uh, as we turn to Romans, well, don't do that. I'm sorry. I don't do that to you all. Why would I do that? Turn you to one verse and quote another one. I hope you don't mind me talking through, you know, my own thought process while I... (laughs) Well, I teach the scriptures here. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What chapters in Romans are the mercies of God? Romans 1 through 11. Based on Romans 1 through 11, now we're in chapter 12. I beseech you, based on all this, to respond. How so? That you present your bodies. So this is a physical, present, not just your mind, present your bodies. A living sacrifice. This is volitional. Okay, this is not going to happen on accident. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable response of worship, and do not be conformed to this world. And here's our word, but be transformed. And this is an internal thing by the renewing of your mind. Interesting, transformation happens internally by the renewing of our mind after the mind of Christ. What's God's destiny for your life? What are you predestined unto? You're predestined to be conformed to the image of God. God created man and woman in his image. It was his will that men and women would bear the image of God on earth, that they would walk like God and talk like God and think like God. And when the angelic realms or anybody else looked upon earth, they would see a race of people that reflected the image of God. Sin came in. That image was broken to some extent, but not lost. And what is God doing? He isn't giving up. His will will be done. In Christ, he is conforming us to the image of his dear son. And who is his son? He is the express image of the Father. By being conformed to the image of Christ, you're being reconformed to the image of God, and God's will is ultimately being accomplished despite the fall and despite sin. So with that in mind, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. There are people, all of us in here, at some point in our life, something needs to be renewed and fixed in our thinking. And it's amazing to see what people have in their minds. They don't believe really deeply believe that God loves them, really. They can't fathom that God would really forgive the sin they did back October 1st, 1975. And, it, and, it, and it, it's like a thorn and it's in their heart and it's, just, it's, it's causing thoughts and things to happen. The truth can come in and renew the mind and change the person that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then we go into our gifts and, and those types of things. Last verse on this point, Ephesians chapter five, verse 26. All, what are we doing? We're just going through that cycle and we're looking at at each point where we kind of see things happening in the heart and the mind from the external world. We're saying, where can we inject, where does the, the, the scripture speak? Where can we sort of inject something into this cycle and break into the cycle? Cut off external prompts, Maybe consider whether there's something wrong with a person's body, especially after sin has become very addictive and habitual. We, that, that might be part of the story. Uh, and, and here, there, there's a real need for truth and light in the heart. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says this, and this is important. Maybe I should have read this first. I'll uh, we'll have to read verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. That's the phrase I want to go after there. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's God's agenda for you, that you would be glorious and and, and righteous. And excited, God is excited about righteousness. Um, The washing of the water of the word is that an interesting phrase? You know what that makes me think of? John chapter thirteen. In John thirteen, the night Jesus was about to go out into the garden and be arrested and be betrayed, he gets on his knees to the God of the universe, the Creator, and washes the disciples' feet. And he comes to Peter, and Peter says, "No, no, 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 no. You don't wash my feet." And Peter knew it, that was just that was the servant's role. You may not actually believe that Jesus Christ is willing to get down on his hands and knees and serve you and wash your feet and help you. You meditate on that, that the God of the universe would wash your feet, would get down and love you. You might think that the Lord offers salvation to the world in general. The, the Lord loves the world and I kind of get thrown at it. No, the Lord loves you. If the Lord Jesus were here, he would come talk to you. How are you? Can I help you? Let me wash your feet. No, no, no. Lord, you don't have to wash my feet. Get into all my personal problems. If I don't wash them, I can't have any part with you. Oh, then Peter says, well, then the Lord wash everything, my head and my hands. Wait, wait, Peter, you don't understand. The person that's already had a bath, think of salvation doesn't need to have another bath again, they just need to wash their feet, two different words used there in the Greek New Testament. Think about sanctification and justification. And then he says this, he says now, I've given you an example, I want you all to do this to yourselves. I think if you think primarily about literal foot washing, you've missed the deeper import of the passage, which is that the Lord wants us to help one another deal with sin. I think that was a picture because he, he talks about cleansing, and he's not just talking about physical dirt. Yeah, he wants us to serve one another. He wants us to take that place. But it takes a humble, serving heart to get down with our brothers and sisters and help us to pursue righteousness. I think of what I'm going for here is the water of the word is sort of in both passages in my mind. Washing one another with the water of the word. And some have said not with burning hot water, scolding water, or frigid cold water. Psh, you know, throw that in your face. Now, you know, just... Gently getting down and serving with the scriptures. Can you serve one another with the scriptures? Some believers would be really helped, and they need some help. And um, so that's what I think about when I think of the water, the word, the washing impact of the scriptures. Well, moving on. Um, Why inject truth? I've already said this. This gives us the power, the inner equipment um, to battle back against What goes on in our minds and hearts when we're stimulated from the outside helps us to build models for us to follow. We see Joseph. Joseph ran. I can run when sin comes after me. I remember a speaker saying, we're told in the scriptures to resist the devil, but when it comes to certain types of sin, we're told to flee. Well, okay, that helps me. I can now live that out. Maybe my call is not to try to resist this, but to run from it. we see the scriptures and they impact us that way. It gives us God's will to know, um, consequences to fear. We see David's life and how it was ruined by sin. And we say, I don't want that to happen in my life. I am not gonna do this. Sorry, we gotta stop, we gotta stop hanging out, you and me. Bye, click. <laughs> I don't want this to happen. I'll throw this person's phone number away. I will stop driving down that street. I will get rid of, I had a, um, I had a friend, and this is kind of from, from step one, and then we'll move on. I have a family member who, when he trusted Christ, he took all of his, some of the guys here did this, he took all of his music CDs and threw them all away, and then he gave me the cologne that he used to own. Why the cologne? Because it reminded of him of stuff he had done with his girlfriends. He got that out of his life. See, those were external prompts. I'm just going back to the first point for him. He threw things away, and then he got the scriptures into his heart and mind. Well, when we do that, things may not change still. People will still struggle with sin. They're looking at the scriptures. We've cut off external prompts. One of the reasons why is because sometimes deep things in the heart need to be dealt with. Deep things. The heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah seventeen nine. Above all things, who can know it? Guard your heart, Proverbs four twenty three. For out it flow the issues of life. Guard it vigilantly. So the heart contains deep issues that even we are not aware of. Counseling and accountability are are, are of value here. The passage for this among some of the ones that I've quoted here, uh, well, and I I mentioned this this morning, grudges, scars, wounds, forgotten sin, blindnesses to our own sin, things we don't even realize. We forgot so-and-so said that to us 10 years ago, but we just got so used to the anger that now it's just part of our life. We don't even remember why we started thinking and being angry. And someone can sit with us and probe deeply into our hearts and say, where did this start in your life? When I was a kid, this happened. My dad told me, never, just constantly told me, every time I brought home a good grade, he could have done better. This is not good enough. This is not good enough. And, and, and wounded a young man and his whole life he goes with this i'm not good enough i'm not good enough and that breeds behaviors and sins in his life and you cut off these and you're memorizing scripture but you haven't gotten down to the deep issue of this is where this started let's bring that to the lord and say lord i need to forgive my father lord i know that what you think of me matters deal with those deep issues and this is one of the things that needs to happen Um, why expose the deep heart lasting change addresses the heart not merely the behaviors Lasting change addresses the heart, not merely the behaviors. It examines the roots, not simply the fruit. What scripture could we go to? We could go to Luke chapter 6. We read that this morning. You know a good tree by its good fruit and a bad tree by its bad fruit. If the root's evil, the fruit's evil. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks And we may need to get down and look at the roots in a person's life. There are a couple different types of scriptures passages in scripture that kind of get to this issue. And Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, go there quickly. I, I assume we're ending at the, the middle of the hour. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'm just going to read some verses to you that bring up the heart as as essential in dealing with sin. Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And if you just read quickly, you think the Lord is telling you, don't lay up treasures on earth because they're all gonna be left here. Well, that's part of the story, but that's not the ultimate point he drives home. The main reason you shouldn't lay up treasures on earth, let's keep reading. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, because for this reason, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the main point. And by the way, if you lay up treasures on earth anyways, your heart's going to be on earth and you'll lose them all anyways. But the main point is, is that where your treasure is, your heart is. Everyone seeks some kind of treasure, some like to say. What's your heart really after? I just want to be recognized. I just want to be loved. I just want to get even. You know, there's something that your heart's going, I just want to be secure. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be poor. Whatever it is, there are things deep in the heart that, that, that the heart is holding on to that are driving the life above. Deep iceberg. You see the tip of it, and you might change. We might address these behaviors. You know, you don't seem to have any time for the Lord's people. You you seem to be short with people. You're looking at the fruit, right? The fruit of the tree. Uh, You you know, there's something wrong up here, and so we read verses about loving one another and being patient and whatever, but deep down inside, there's something that's driving this sometimes. It's because a person's afraid of fill-in-the-blank, and that's driving behavior. And this is where it's important to have someone that can sit down and plumb the depths of our life and get down to what that issue is. Turn to James chapter four. This is a very illuminating verse on this point. James chapter four. Again, why are we doing this? We wanna be local churches that can help individuals pursue holiness. And so when we have friends and ourselves as we deal with sin, we can ask ourselves, I, are there prompts I need, to, I need to cut off? Do I need to get truth into my heart? Is there something deep down inside that needs to be addressed? James chapter 4, verse 10. How do I know if my heart has been captured by an idol, by a treasure other than Christ? There are idols in our hearts. That's another way to look at this issue. James 4, Verse 1 says, where do wars and fights come from among you? So now we see the behavior that's manifested itself, the fruit in a local church context. People are argumentative and they've got issues that they're not getting along. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So we have competing desires in our hearts and they're warring for our affection and allegiance. You desire or you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The external fruit of this deep inner fight over desires and and lusts was war and competition and arguments in the local church. Uh, And so we can read verses about getting along with one another. But we might need to get down and deal with the root. What do you really want in your life? Oh. Now, now you know a person's not going to open up to you just some random Saturday afternoon when you met him 30 minutes ago. Let me tell you my life story and the things I struggle with deep down inside. And that's not going to happen. There's going to need to be some patience and some love and some trust. There are certain men that I know, I would tell them anything. I could see their faces right now. And I've known him long enough, and I know that if I needed to talk with a man or, I, you know, if they asked me, I would tell him. And there are certain people I wouldn't tell. And that's the importance of biblical love, a vitalness of love, loving one another. You would tell the Savior, right? Why would you tell the Savior anything? He went to the cross for you. He died for you. He loves you. You're convinced of his love. You're not afraid of him in that sense. Now, we should fear the Lord in a holy sense. But that's a key, that's a key piece to this. Uh, one more. Yeah, this is interesting. Our desire and conflict link. This comes out of James, just quickly. Healthy desires, How do, there's nothing wrong with desires. How do we know a desire is healthy? Luke 22:42. 42, I, I, I remember when I saw this, I thought, "Well, wow, this is helpful. The Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? If it be possible, Father, this is my desire. This is my desire. It is all right to have desires. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But, and here's the balance to desires, not my will, but thine be done. That's the essence of the kingdom of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that's part of our story now, and we will see it in the millennial kingdom to come where the desires and the will of the Lord are actually done and carried out on earth. Now, that should be seen in the church today. This should be a people where the will of the Lord is done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll see that someday in the millennial kingdom when Christ comes and sits on the throne of his glory. Right now, he's sitting on the throne of his Father's glory. A little difference. That's eschatology. So, uh, I, I want, but thy will be done. I should get the pointer here. I've lost my pointer. Uh, desire becomes demand. I will. The fist closes over desire. I, I'm going to do this. I need this. Desire goes into a need. I must. This is my right. Our desires begin to affect our relationships. You should. You should do this for me. You should. The Lord, you should do this for me. And unmet desires foster disappointment with people in God. You didn't do this, and now I'm mad at you, God. Now we wouldn't say that, but that's what happens in people's lives. Our hearts get stuck on something and our fist clamps over it and it affects things. Now, you can have a copy of this if you're trying to write, write it all down. But, um, so what's the point here? Going back to our, our cycle. We may need to deal with external prompts. We may need to consider physical complications in a person if they've gone that far down the road. We need to inject truth into the heart and mind. And we need to seek out deep heart issues that may be welling up from deep We might not even remember them. And finally, what we want to do, our goal is to habituate. That means to create a new habit of righteous behavior, righteous expressions. Um, What did we say this morning that a habit was? A habit is when you, if you remember here, the external prompt comes into our eyes and our ears. Our our physical body senses it. A habit is when we just go straight to behavior. You want that in a musician, right? They see a chord, they just touch it. They see something and they just act. An athlete, a good athlete can't sit there and say, all right, right foot forward, balance on the left, keep your hands down, don't look. After they practice, it goes from what? It goes from a physical, they just see something happening on the sports field and boom, their body does something. Why? Because they've done it 7,500 times practicing. Unfortunately, we sin so much that we actually habituate sin and we see food, we hear a comment, somebody says something and boom, we react. She says it, who do you think you are? It's not even going through the mind and the soul anymore. It's just boom in action. So that has to be dehabituated. We have to begin to practice righteousness. We have to slowly, like the sin was built, slowly, one day at a time, begin to practice righteous habits. We see something, day one, we've got to practice not looking at it. It's hard. It's hard. We've got to practice not saying anything. Maybe just be quiet today. Remember your mom, you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. (laughs) You know, we have to build those new habits that turn the arrow the other way. Um, And there's two more things here and I'll just leave this slide up. I think this is most helpful. There are two more things here that I think are vitally important. This is just our general cycle So if somebody is engaged in that sin and they they want some help, there may be more to this than just memorizing scripture. Does something need to be cut off? Are there deeper heart issues that are driving this? Maybe even stuff physically happened to their body. But here's, here's two other things. We have a power from within that if it is not there, this is a whole different game. Galatians 5, 16, and 17. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, we showed that chart. What's the flesh? It's partially the physical body, but it involves the immaterial person some. And the flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And so we have a helper, a paraclete, John chapter 14 and 16 talk about, that will fight back against the flesh. I believe the spirit uses scriptures. Oh, we're out of time. And, And things like that, which is why it's important to have them. But... If we're not saved, if we haven't trusted Christ as our Savior, the Spirit's not within us. We're on, I mean, a, this is a whole different ballgame. So that's a, that's a thing to do is to stop and say, have we even trusted Christ yet? We could go to passages like 1 John and James. But then help from without. This is vital. Trying to live holy alone and doing it with a group of believers who you meet regularly with. Let's just read this verse to close out in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Oh, it's a world of difference. I am most in danger. I am the weakest when I am alone. If you are with someone, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, there's a good chance just the whole game changes. You're not, even, you're not, you're not, you're not bothered by certain things. You're just, you're strengthened by them. But also dealing with these deep heart issues, Galatians chapter 6 Verse one, brethren, and this this is the context is temptation and sin. As we close up here, uh, brethren, is if a man or woman is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. First Corinthians thirteen, love. You can have all the right Bible answers. You can know all the answers. You can be smart. If you don't do it in love, you are an annoyance. You are a clanging symbol. It profits you nothing. Love one another, as I have loved you. That's the new commandment. He got down on his feet and washed on his knees and washed our feet. The Lord Jesus Christ, in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, don't you dare think that you couldn't fall into the same sin. It has been said that we would commit all the sins in history where we put under the right pressures. As soon as you think, not me, you are not the person to help that other person. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And here's the verse I'm going for. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I believe that deals with holiness as well. We're a body. People need to feel the love of Christ. You know where they feel the love of Christ through? Through the body of Christ. They need someone to come alongside and say, let's fight this thing. Let's fight for holiness. You and me. We'll get someone else. We're going to meet. We're going to pray. We're going to talk on the phone. We're going to fight for holiness. Why? Because it's what the Lord wants, and we love you, and we're family. We need need people to say, come talk to us. We need groups of brothers and sisters to meet together, to pray for each other, to develop those, those forgiving and gentle relationships where we feel like we can say, I ruined it this week. I fell again. I did it again. All right. Let's, let's get started again. Let's read 1 John 1, nine together. Let's pray together. Let's, that is vital. It's a, whole different, it's a whole different experience if this is not part of the picture. Because then we're on our own, alone, alone, trying to live the life, trying to keep that external facade of I've got it together. So I'll stop. Wow, five minutes over. Um, and, and dealing with personal sin may require more than just one or two items, okay? Father, we ask that you would help us to be a local church where believers realize they can get help in walking in holiness, that, that um, we would dig into the scriptures and that we would, we would do all that the scriptures call us to do in dealing with sin. Um, and there's more than this, Lord, but we just ask that we'd be faithful to this. In Jesus' name, amen.